Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. I'm Brad Binkley. And we are here with Spiro Skouris of the Activist Post and many other media sources, great videos, always a source of fantastic research, fascinating insights. It's really a privilege to have Spiro here. Hey, Spiro, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Monica. Thank you so much for having me on. And hi, Brad, how are you doing? Good. How about you? Doing great. Thank you. So you are obviously busy because you have been digging into the coronavirus. We have too, but you have come up with some stuff. I I look at everything I can find, and you kind of blew my mind even just today with yet another coincidence. You want to kind of give us a little recap of what you think are the most significant coincidences around this coronavirus pandemic that we're being told about every day and kind of the backstory, what was going on right before it kind of broke into the global news in November? So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Monica and Brad. So getting into the, the coronavirus, first of all, we have to you know recognize what the uh, narrative is that's being parroted, that's being shoved down our throats on a daily basis uh, by the mainstream media, uh, which is, of course, compromised on many levels. And the official story, uh, which in my opinion is extremely flimsy, and, it, and it's just not just my opinion, but I'll get into that more coming up, is that the official story is that the coronavirus originated from a food market in Wuhan, China, because someone was eating some raw bat soup or something along those lines. And then it just spread and it happens to be in dozens of countries right now. Uh, but we learn more and more information every day about this. And uh, there are experts who have come out on this. There have been studies, uh, recent studies that have come out just in the last few days in the last week that I'm going to touch on here in a little bit. Um, but looking at the events leading up to uh, the outbreak taking place in China, uh, we see that there was a pandemic exercise that was held in New York City. And this pandemic exercise was actually a simulation of a coronavirus outbreak. Uh, and the, the exercise was hosted by John Hopkins Center uh, in partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum, which is uh, tied to the UN, of course. And the World Health Organization, I believe, did ask John Hopkins Center to host this event. And the participants of this event uh, that took place on October 18th, 2019, roughly about six weeks before we started to get the first reports of the coronavirus uh, outbreak there in China, uh, the participants included the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, both the American and Chinese CDC, uh, the media, major banks, vaccine manufacturers, and of course, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And in this simulation, uh, there was five hours of footage. It's it's online, and you can watch the whole thing. I did watch the whole thing, and my jaw was uh, literally hanging, uh, you know, next to the near the floor uh, when I was seeing this. Your uh, comp compilation of the highlights of that—I don't know how long your video was of that. It was like twenty minutes, I think. It yes. just never stopped hitting the most important points. And every time I, I read the newspaper, especially since I watched that video, I cannot read an article without seeing some feature of Event 201 in it or the call to action, which I don't know if you've read on the Johns Hopkins website that was supposed to come out of that. It's just either from the newscast that you put in that video, from the Event 201 thing, or from their call to action and other material. It's just, it's it's like a mirror image of their agenda and the, the narrative unfolding. 
Absolutely. That's that's the way I uh, felt about it when I was watching this, because they even created, uh, you know, fake or mock up uh, news uh broadcasts yeah. that were that were shown to the the panelists there participating and uh we're as we watch this pandemic or this outbreak unfold it's literally like we're watching the simulation play itself out and in an eerily uh fashion exactly in my you could put those news broadcasts you just mentioned you could put those in the news right now and people would not know the difference because they sound exactly like I- reporting that's going on I was a little nervous because we played one of those on, I have a radio show on terrestrial radio on WSB in Atlanta. I was nervous that I would play that and people would think it was real, like a war of the world scenario where they say what's happening. and Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I heard that. I heard that. And then she's like, 65 million people died. And I thought (laughs) people are going to weird out if I play that. You're absolutely right. That's a good point. It's uh, because it was, uh, you know, so realistic, but, but so similar to, what we're seeing play out right now, and uh, very realistic. And so, as the uh, as the event two hundred one took place, they they covered several different uh, topics, you know, including uh, continuity of infrastructure and uh, also uh, the telecommunications and communications portion, which included basically uh, the way that they see that they need to control the the information, control the narrative. And um, it, it, including with the media and with social media and the role that social media needs to play. Uh, and basically in, in order to uh, censor information that does not uh, fit the official narrative. And it was even suggested that, uh, you know, jail time for people who uh, spoke out, you know, claiming, you know, they, they referenced conspiracy theorists. That and guy, the guy who suggested jail time, I think it was a guy from Singapore. The Singapore Financial Authority. And it's funny because Singapore does that. It's like, oh, you want to ban drugs? We can do that. (laughs) It's like, okay, that's going a little too far. China floated the death penalty for people spreading false information that harms people. Whoa. Unbelievable. And and so, yeah, again, that's one perfect example of of how the simulation compares to real world uh, events unfolding. So. Uh, the the simulation in itself, as you said, is it's it's incredible to see, and I, I try to condense it down the most important information that I could at that point in time uh, to that twenty minute report, and so we have that event alone right there, which raises a lot of red flags, but that's not the only event that took place before the actual coronavirus outbreak. Um, on that exact same day, October eighteenth, two thousand nineteen, the World Military Games. We're holding their opening ceremonies, and and it's sort of like an Olympics for the military. And there were nearly 10,000 military athletes uh, competing from 110 different nations around the world, and it was being held in Wuhan, China, uh, the exact same day uh, as the coronavirus uh, simulation was taking place in New York City. And both of them have major United Nations... um, uh, support and backing in the opening ceremonies. There's a, about a five or six minute uh, piece where Chinese military troops come out wearing the blue United Nations helmet and conduct this huge ceremony. And again, when I had seen this, the footage of this, which I included in a separate report, um, again, my jaw is just hanging down. It's like, what? What are the chances that at the exact same day, at the same time, there is these 
the, these two major events taking place, um, the one in New York City simulating the coronavirus outbreak, and then the one in Wuhan, China, which is now ground zero for the coronavirus outbreak. That was amazing. I saw that you put that out earlier, just yesterday or today, past couple of days. I had not seen that before, and I immediately tried to figure out if there was anybody in attendance from those countries. I did see some names, but there was I couldn't find like a, an attendance list. What I wanted to, what I was wondering if there was was if there were representatives from each of that of those many many governments using this as an opportunity to kind of coordinate without having to do stuff digitally or whatever. Sometimes, like if you if something's afoot, you see like John McCain pops up in Ukraine or John Brennan, you know, and you're just like, oh, they're there, so they can have a face to face conversation and kind of get things going without having any digital record, I think. And I wondered if maybe this was an opportunity for people to do that. And I've got my eyes open to the 30 bigger countries that did not participate. And I'm guessing that they do not chime into the narrative. I mean, I'm just going to follow up on that. Maybe it won't be true, but I, there's definitely a potential for something fishy going on on that with that scenario. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. That's something that needs to be investigated, needs to be looked at. And uh, when you look at, okay, so in Wuhan, China, you have 110 different nations, military personnel in Wuhan, China, right before the outbreak, six weeks before. Now, I'm not saying that this is what happened for sure. I'm just saying like, hey, everyone, we need to uh, pay attention to this as as a potential, uh, you know, source of the outbreak. Um, I, I recently spoke with uh, uh, former CIA operative uh, and now whistleblower Vern Lyon ab about this. I wanted to bounce this theory off of him and see what he had to say because this this uh, military world games would have provided the perfect cover if an intelligence agency or military operation wanted to conduct you know, uh, some type of an operation to contaminate or to unleash a, a bioweapon potentially there um, in Wuhan, knowing full full well that in Wuhan, China, there is a level four bioweapons lab right there in Wuhan, China, not far from the food market where the media tries to claim that this originated from. So if they were to conduct an operation there, this would provide the perfect cover, knowing that if it did get exposed that there was a bio, that this was a bioweapon, that the nearby level four lab would take the blame. That's a very interesting twist, because I was wondering why everyone from the White House to Senator Cotton was broadcasting that, oh, we think it's the bioweapons lab. I thought I remember you identifying in one of the earlier videos that the bioweapons bioweapons lab was there. But I had no way really to validate that. And then from the highest levels of U.S. government, they totally validate that. And I kind of thought that was a conspiracy theory that suited the event 201 thing, because all that media suppression was based on the fact that dangerous conspiracy theories were going to prompt protests and anger and get in the way of governments responding to this. So they needed a conspiracy theory, and there certainly are a few being floated around. Well, you make great points there. And, and in Event 201, they did also uh, bounce the idea around of limited uh, internet shutdowns to try to prevent uh, the conspiracy theories as they continue to spread. Uh, so there's there's a lot, and these these are people uh, you know that were selected, you know, not just people, but organizations that were selected to head up this this uh, event, this simulation of the uh, coronavirus outbreak that was meant to advise the World Health Organization, who is now actively uh, responding to this outbreak. So it's it's very and the important, same guys. 
who were involved yes. in Event 201 are out there on the front lines. George Gao, Mike Ryan from WHO, but George Gao, who is the CDC China head. And it's yeah. curious <laughs> that they are responding to it because the idea of a training on the surface is that you're supposed to be good. You're supposed to learn to get good at handling something like this. But every decision they have made, like everything about releasing the passengers of the Diamond Princess around the world, and now infections are showing up all over the world, every decision they're making is the wrong decision, yet they just did this training. It makes you seem like they have an ulterior motive. Well, it's there's certainly things that should be questioned. I, I don't think that it's a good uh, for anyone to just blindly trust uh, you know what the government and what these agencies are doing. Uh, you know, it's it's the media's job to to keep the government in check, and and unfortunately, the majority of the media is compromised. And so it's up to shows like this one, you know, the work that you guys are doing, and and others out there, uh, to to raise uh, potential alternatives, to to question the official stories, because there are, is a lot of things here that. Uh, you know, people call them coincidences. Others call them synchronicities. It's definitely things that need to be looked at and investigated independently. Do you think, Spiro, do you have an idea of what is really going on? If you had to come out and say, like, I think this is what's happening and I think this is why. Or are you simply just focusing on the research, putting the facts out there and seeing how they develop? Well, typically uh, with my reports, I try to keep my own personal uh, viewpoints out of them as much as possible and let the audience, I try to present the facts and, and, uh, and let the audience, the viewers themselves, make up their own minds. Um, sometimes I do inject my own uh, personal viewpoints, and I try to make that clear when I do that. I don't want to tell people what to think. Um, but I did just uh, interview Professor uh, Francis Boyle uh, for the second time earlier today, and he is the man who wrote, he authored the U U.S. Biowarfare Act, back in 1989, and he's a professor of law. He's considered to be a top expert on this topic. And the interview, which will be published by the time this is, uh, I'm sure, will, yeah. was ex extremely explosive. The, the interview was extremely uh, bombshell, in my opinion, because <laughs> he, he had uh, in his possession four different studies that just came out here recently within the last few days up to a week, which he says are, is smoking gun evidence that determines that this Wuhan coronavirus, the COVID-19, has been weaponized. And these, these are major uh, published studies. This, this isn't, you know, conspiracy theory. This isn't uh, somewhere off, off the, the dark ends of the Internet. Um, this man is, is extremely, uh, uh, you know, has, has the, the pedigree to back it up as well. So... In, the, in his belief is that, and, and what he went over the studies, is that the U.S., of course, has their own uh, biological warfare programs, which his, his Biowarfare Act was supposed to keep in check and prevent from being weaponized, which, of course, they're doing anyways. And the U.S. Uh, was working with China. There was a scientist from that Wuhan center, uh, that Wuhan Biofor the level four lab they had sent to the university of North Carolina to work on what they call gain of function for these infectious oh my gosh. diseases. Binkley's been telling us about that. He dug into some of that. 
Absolutely. And that in itself um, indicates that it was uh, altered and, and weaponized, gain of function, to uh, make it uh, deadlier, for example, more infectious. Yep. And he had, he had four different studies that all pointed to this. And the amazing part is, is that the, the Chinese government in, had paid the U.S. government essentially to have this Chinese scientist participate in these, uh, you know, whatever work they were doing there to this gain of function of a, a SARS virus, I believe, yeah. or a MERS virus. That's crazy. I didn't know that they had paid a Chinese doctor to work with them on that. I knew that they had developed one. They had made a strain of the coronavirus that was not at that time. It wasn't transmissible from bat to human, but they made it more deadly and they made it more transmissible from bat to human. And so they created one of what we're experiencing right now. I had no idea a Chinese doctor was involved. Yes, from that Wuhan uh, level four lab. That's crazy. And- wow. Yes, yeah, so he, there's four different studies, and, and I will have the links for all of those if you'd like. And so what he was telling me in this interview uh, as he's going over these studies is that basically the, that doctor, Chinese doctor, was here working with uh, the, the U.S., uh, this university in North Carolina. Uh, they had obtained materials from Fort Detrick, so the U.S. government, U.S. military was involved to a certain degree, at least, and that... Uh, the Chinese government did pay some money for this doctor to participate. And that doctor, the Chinese doctor, then took that uh, whatever they had there, those samples that were, you know, and they had learned how to uh, perform gain of function to weaponize. They took that back. It was already a, a weaponized virus at that point. Took it back to their facility in Wuhan, China, and then tried to uh, basically infuse it with two other uh, types of uh, viruses. And I'm not an expert, so forgive me on this, uh, but uh, I had the expert on telling me about this. And uh, it was including uh, HIV and, and some other uh, scary sounding stuff, and that he believes that it was uh, then leaked out of the lab there in Wuhan, China by mistake. Oh, uh, really? Yes, that's that, that lab, according to uh, Professor Francis Boyle, has leaked uh, previously two times, at least, uh, SARS. So it does have a history Jeez. there of this taking place. And so at his, at this point in time, his view is that um, this has been weaponized without a doubt, 100%, and that uh, it was accidentally leaked from the lab and that we're now seeing uh, this unfold. And as we can all see for ourselves, currently the, the death toll is reported around a little over 2,200 deaths. And yet... In China alone, they have locked down six hundred. Uh, excuse me, seven hundred and sixty million people, which is a little more than ten. It's a little more than ten percent of the global population. Right. So, so when it's almost everybody. Cons- and yet we're seeing videos coming out of China criticizing the response of the Chinese government. Not that they're doing too much, but that they're doing too little. There's a lot of conflicting information coming out of that propaganda machine. Propaganda machine is correct, and it's it's very difficult to determine what uh, information you know is yeah. is credible, and that's why right. it, it's we have to rely on on experts and then people who can uh, get the information from there and get it translated uh, instead of relying on the mainstream sources. But that's 760 million. That's roughly 10 percent of the population on Earth. So, uh, you know, you compare that with each year. The flu virus, uh, just the common flu, kills roughly around 60,000 people. 
I saw a CDC study from 2017 that estimated 600,000 people died of the flu. Now, I assume that they're... They're, uh, that they're saying pneumonia because like two or three million people a year die of pneumonia. And like you see with this novel coronavirus coming out of China right now, how you diagnose it, the parameters for clinical diagnosis can wildly change the numbers. So the, they, I think they attribute flu deaths, a lot of pneumonia deaths to just regular flu, but that could be happening in this case as well. Absolutely. And uh, so it's, Again, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. I'm not trying to uh, sell fear. That's the the media's, the mainstream media's job. I'm I'm just trying. Yeah, to, they're doing it. You know, <laughs> right? Trying to raise awareness of other possible, you know, scenarios that that are likely that that could have taken place. Uh, now, Francis Boyle, just to be uh, clear on this, Professor Francis Boyle disagrees with this theory, uh, this possibility that I presented in multiple reports that that this, this was uh, part of espionage or sabotage. Uh, he firmly believes that at this point it did leak out of the lab. Now, just real quick, I saw a, a Rutgers professor who I think had absolutely nothing to do with this, just saying stuff in the Wall Street Journal, which happens all the time, like the wrong scientist is interviewed. But there, there are reports that scientists have looked at this, at the coronavirus or COVID-19, and said that you can tell by the DNA profile that it's completely not bioengineered. I'm not defending that position at all, but I just wondered if you, if Boyle talked about that or if that has come up in your research that that could be debunked. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't take the mainstream media reports with any value whatsoever. And I don't know if anybody who's actually examined it has said that, but I just wonder if you came across that. So, uh, uh, Professor Boyles, and of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, paraphrasing uh i don't want to you know speak for professor boyle but right. my understanding from from our interviews our multiple interviews especially this last last one just today uh that the these governments and these agencies including u.s governments uh, so the 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 national institute of health funded this uh gain of function program at the uh north carolina university where the chinese scientists you know, had taken the virus back. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's saying that you cannot trust these institutions. You cannot trust, uh, you know, right. the World Health Organization. They did they're all geoengineer complicit. it. Yeah. Yes, they're all complicit, and they're and they're in, in their skin is in the game. They they will cover it up. He believes that there's a massive cover up taking place right now. So, How about to your that point, patent? with that ga- with that gain of function research that they conducted. There was a ban on gain-of-function research in the United States at that time that was lifted in 2017, and there were a handful of exceptions of studies that were allowed to do the research anyway despite the ban. And this coronavirus research at North Carolina is one of those exceptions to the rule. Right, and and they would like to – Tell you that it's for you know research purposes yeah. and to develop uh, medicines and vaccines and everything like this and and I and this was brought up in the interview and he said that is baloney it's to weaponize it to uh, wow. you know as as a weapon. The last question I know you just have back to back stuff to do and I don't want to keep you too long but I did want to ask about the patent 
that Gates owns. So Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was part of the event 201. I saw a Netflix special that came out a month later called Explained, the Next Pandemic, which featured Bill Gates uh, widely in that. And then I learned from one of your reports that they hold a patent. Do you Is that a patent on something just like this or how close is it? Do you remember? Well, uh, going off memory here, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, going off memory here without having it pulled up right in front of me, um, you know, of course, whenever information like this comes out, uh, the mainstream media is quick to try to debunk, uh, you know, these articles and to give people uh, doubt and, and uncertainty. Now, uh, from what I remember on this, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had funded uh, a company that did own a patent on the coronavirus, and I believe it was Pure Bright. And I have a link to that I can dig up as well and, and send that over there to you. So yet again, another uh, coincidence, you know, and yeah. as you stated, I remember seeing that that Netflix special come out you know, shortly after this outbreak took place. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they take how long does it take to make documentaries? You know, I mean, this was uh, just another astounding, you know, to me, a red flag. It's like, wait a minute, what is what's really going on here? Yeah. November 2019 is when that that Netflix special came out. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. And it was Gates who was involved in this. Well, I, yeah, I don't want to keep you anymore, Spiro. Is there anything that we didn't hit yet? There's there's one more point that I, I'd like to bring up that took place uh, before <clears throat> all of this. And I'll, I'll be brief. And it was leading up to the military world games in Wuhan, China. They held a 30-day countdown to where they did emergency drills. And this was covered uh, by uh, Jennifer Zhang's, uh, Jennifer and Zhang's vlog. And they are able to take information from China, get it translated, and publish it so people can see what's going on. And so parts of these emergency drills were taking place at airports and everything like that, it, which did include infections of the novel coronavirus again, before the actual World Military Games and before the uh, the Event 201, which took place there. So, again, another synchronicity, another coincidence. You know, what, what's really going on here? Wow. It is uncanny. As, as I watch this thing unfold, I get more and more scared. Like, so just thinking that there is something going on behind the scenes might give a person pause and say, hey, you know, they're just... Maybe they're running a drill. I don't know. But as I see, look back at some of the stuff you pulled and some of the stuff we saw from Event 201, how they say it unfolds at six months in, there's a flashpoint. And then it just goes crazy for a year. And and I just, I'm hoping that this isn't really a start to finish reflection of Event 201. Hope springs eternal, but I'm definitely watching it closely, as you obviously are. So Spiro, where can we see this and your other stuff? What's the best place for us to find it? Well, you can always find my work at activistpost.com. Uh, all my reports get published over there. Um, and also, you can find my work right on my uh, YouTube channel, which is just my first and last name, Spiro Scorus. Or on BitChute, uh, I created a account over there where I publish all my video reports because uh, YouTube has deleted one of my channels in the past. Hmm. And, and, uh, and we see a lot of the censorship. Yes, well, I put a lot of work in there, and I didn't have uh, a backup mirror site 
at that point in time. So a lot of my work was uh, gone, deleted down the uh, yeah. memory hole forever. That happened to me on WordPress. It was devastating. I still haven't recovered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to that point, they're censoring the hashtag coronavirus. Facebook is censoring that on Facebook and on Instagram. They're directing people to, quote, accurate information to fight misinformation. So using that hashtag could potentially signals Facebook to come censor you. It's a flag. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll definitely, I'm all signed up to the bit shoot. I see your stuff on YouTube, but I'm not counting on it. But for me, the first thing I do is I go to activist posts, I type in your name, and I just get all your latest stuff. And I love the activist posts. If there's one uh, site I refer to the most, like I'm very active on Twitter, it's activist posts by far. So it's really a privilege to speak to you. And I know you're super, super busy, so I really hope we can do it again, and uh, you'll for sure be hearing from me as this coronavirus continues to unfold or hopefully get uh, wind down. Yes, definitely, hopefully. Uh, Thank you both, Monica and Brad, so much. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on today. It's a pleasure. Okay, Spirify.